Hello and welcome back to Smiling in Hell, a uh, chronicle of uh, life after retirement and then some. It's sort of today's sort of a hybrid because uh, I'm going back and I'll share in a minute what I'm I'm doing with today's blog. But first of all, I want to do a shout out to my daughter who bought me a new microphone, a real life, uh, beautiful desktop uh, microphone um, because she thought that my blog audio sounded kind of crummy. So um, thank you to Adler. And I hope that I do this justice as I fire up here. Chapter 28. Hard to believe that this is 28. Now, this is kind of cheating. This is called A Holiday Smile Revisited because it's a smile in hell that I wrote um, back in the lo long ago. But now that Christmas, New Year's and other holidays of 2021 are behind us, uh, and as I'm, I'm still recovering from holiday-itis, I don't know about y'all, but rather than drill into a new smiling in hell chapter, I decided to take a walk down memory lane and extract a, a previously proffered episode from the archives of Smiling in Hell, the Chronicles of an Over 50 Job Hunter, circa around 2011 or so. In fact, the following excerpt was actually created back around December of 2011, <clears throat> hence a reference to an over 50 job hunter. Now it would be well over 60. Ah, but those were the days. But since this little blast from the past includes an adventure experienced during a season of Christmas past many years ago, and what with the incredible number of job openings and the wild unemployment figures and the difficulty people are finding having businesses, having trouble finding people to work, and all of that being so mediaized so much lately, I thought this might have some relevance to right now. So um, I ask your indulgence and, and bear, bear with some of what the uh, somewhat dated data or references included. And just remember, along with yours truly, what once was during an early holiday season. And the name of the chapter was, It Can Happen to Anyone. And this is from Smiling in Hell, Chronicles of an Over 50 Job Hunter, December 2011. This is where the writer shows how becoming a member of the firing class can happen to anyone. Now you remember all of us who pledged to the uh, no gotta jabba, uh, that's the don't have a job, the no gotta jabba fraternity or sorority have stories as to how we involuntarily ended up in that unpopular situation. You notice that I use the term involuntarily. I mean, I meant to use the term involuntarily, voluntarily, not that the term involuntarily was used involuntarily. It was a calculated use of the word, okay? Well, anyway, for right now, though, let's only count those of us who were told to go away, shown the door, had the plug, plug pulled, um, etc. <clears throat> Not quit, mind you. That doesn't count. Quitting, that can actually be pretty cool, kind of like retirement, I'm guessing. It brings an especially high level of coolosity, especially if you have another more lucrative and smile-inducing gig uh, to, in which to go to, which to go. And then you can really tell one of those uh, bloated, self-imported, insecure, egotistical fruit bats, I call them. This is where I didn't hold back back then. That they could just take that job and this is an interactive area. Go ahead, have some fun, fill in and fill in that blank. But I mean, really, aren't those folks 
who think that holding the strings on people's lives just because they were able to bull their way into a bigger, more important position makes them special, uh, kind of like Fauci. They for sure wouldn't want to take a chance on having all the that self-recognized specialness revealed, much like the emperor's delicate threads. It's really kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, if you see yourself in this paragraph, then, well, ah, that's too bad, and we feel for you. No, we really do. It may take a, a shot down, an, if I may take a shot down another fairway here, though, it must be said that, and we need to be reminded that it's absolutely true that not everyone who has had to be on the evacuator side of the evacuation process, as opposed to us evacuees, is a bad person. Uh, many nice, kind, caring, thoughtful, sensitive, beautiful, and honest people have found themselves in the position of having to perform the very distasteful deed and put someone's vocational neck in the guillotine. Case in point, yours truly. Oh, yes, my friends. As hard as it is to believe, I, I too, have most likely been called a bloated, self-important, insecure, egotistical fruit bat at various times in my Lewis Carroll story of a career, as I'm sure many of you have as well. It comes with the territory, right? And of course, there are more than one or two ways to perform that unnatural act. We, of course, were incredibly gentle and sensitive to the poor, unsuspecting employee we had to put in the category of fiery, right? Held their hand. Well, metaphysically, at least, since we aren't allowed to actually touch employees, right? Offered to cover their house payments till they found another gig, wrote hefty checks to help keep their kids in private schools, right? Right? Well, didn't you? Yeah, right. Well, as much as it hurts to remind ourselves of this painful but at the time necessary course of action and our actual behavior, sometimes we have to examine a scar in order to understand the experience from all sides. I mean, as easy as it is to do, it really isn't fair to file all of the folks that were disemployed by, we were disemployed by, into the same folder as oh, Hitler. Uh, Bin Laden, Idi Amin, Paris Hilton, Penn State. Uh, like my dad used to say, knowledge is knowing the flame will burn. Experience is remembering the blister. Uh, wise dude he was too. So let's look at the blister. The first employee I ever had to fire was Jingle the Christmas Bear. Yeah, yes, it's true. Many years ago, I was a young, I mean, right out of college, barely two nickels to scratch together, still living at home, marketing manager for a shopping mall in North Carolina. Good gig for a freshman marketing and advertising guy, too. And not only did I get to play a writing copy, producing commercials, booking entertainment for the mall, and buying media, but there were a lot of really pretty young single girls who worked in that mall. Hey, those were the days. <clears throat> but, but then there was Christmas. See, when Christmas rolled around, I was responsible for all the fun mall holiday displays and stuff. Now, not the actual hanging of the decorations, thank God. I mean, I still can't put my Christmas lights outside without them blowing a fuse when it rains. But making sure that there was someone around to actually work the attractions, you know, rides and shows and such like that. 
And this included making sure we had someone to run the Holiday Express. You know, this was a train with real little cars that ran, a, ran around a couple of fake Christmas trees and a plastic deer or two on a rickety track with a whopping 20 or so foot diameter. Pretty exciting if you're either three and drooling or 93 and, well, drooling. Not a great job and the money was crappy, so I did what I had to do. I hired my mom. Well, at least until I could find someone with actual engineer experience, like a, a high school dropout who had an HO train set at home. Then there was the holiday gift certificate booth. Now, this required some real skill, meaning you had to be able to add, subtract, fill out the certificates and make change, all while the customers were just, just a clamoring, a clamoring. That's good old North Carolina talk to get on the holiday express. See, it wasn't always easy to find such a skilled financial and, and customer service expert, so I did what I had to do. I hired my mom. And then there was Jingle. Jingle the Christmas Bear, which, of course, we now know would have to be a holiday bear, PC being what it is and all. But Jingle the Christmas Bear, named Jingle via a contest for all the kitties to enter with their suggested names, and was chosen very fairly and at random, like our own election process, through the very scientific method of, um, well, my boss picked it. Jingle was a great big audio animatronic Ursa Major bedecked in a jaunty beret, festive scarf and gloves, who sat on an even bigger fiberglass oak tree. Hidden, oh so cleverly in the tree, was a headset and microphone that controlled Jingle's mouth and voice, a hand control that moved his head up and down and back and forth, enough room for a small chair and a six-pack, and a thick mesh screen through which the operator could see the expected huge throngs of people that were expected to be lined up to visit with Jingle. Well, okay, maybe it was only one throng. Actually, it was more like a thronglet. Now, running Jingle required some very specific skills, to be sure. One had to be coordinated in order to actually move the head towards the person that was in front of him. At least we think it was a him. But that was one part of the animatronic anatomy that didn't move, so we really weren't sure. But the operator also had to have some personality in order to converse intelligently and hopefully cleverly with the swarm of kids of all ages who lined up to, yeah, you get it. Well, they had to have a pleasant speaking voice too, or at least a voice that sounded sort of pleasant and was semi-understandable when shoved through a speaker that was probably borrowed from a defunct fast food drive-in restaurant. You want fries with that girl? So with those very specific talents and attributes in mind, I did what I had to do. No, I didn't hire my mom, but I did hire a very nice semi-young gentleman who was looking for some additional holiday spending money. He was clean-cut, well-spoken, articulate, well-mannered, neat, and seemed downright nice. He did a pretty great job of filling that great big fake fur and plastic yogi with a charismatic and fun personality for all to enjoy, too. At least for a while. Unfortunately, keeping those nice children entertained and interested day after day started to wear on good old Jingle, and folks around the mall started to notice slight changes in his behavior, how he talked, and then to whom he talked, to whom. Anyway, Jingle started having trouble 
focusing on his younger visitors. And at times his head would kind of roll backwards like his hat weighed about 50 pounds, or he'd be looking at the decorations on the ceiling while talking to little Tommy or Cindy Lou Who. And when he was talking to the youngins, his, his speech started sounding disjointed. It could have been mistaken for the microphone malfunctioning, but it was more like uh, Jingle had been hitting the mead, uh, you know, the honey wine, a little too hard at breakfast. Uh, then he wasn't really paying attention that much to the little youthlings in front of him either. In fact, he wasn't talking to them at all. Jingle was hitting on the moms and the young girls walking through the mall and the not-so-young girls who had the misfortune to wander past the limited periphery of Jingle's private mesh observation deck. And then just about any female customer out for a delightful holiday mercantile experience. Yes, I hate to say it, but Jingle had become unbearable. Ouch. Hey, baby, can you bear to be with me later? He would say. Come on, let me show you the bare facts of life. <laughs> I know ways to make you really grin and bear it. Hey, and my one of my favorites. Hey, how about some cold beer and a hot bear? Hey, like I said, very clever. Well, it didn't take long for word of Jingle's questionably creative adventures to make its way down to our offices in the sub-basement below mall level and, and filter to my office, my boss's office, the mall GM's office, to the art department the warehouse, the Baskin-Robbins scooper, the Piccadilly cafeteria servers, and all the tool guys at Sears. Yeah, it spread pretty much like the Ebola virus, or maybe like COVID, only more potent. I, of course, was immediately put on the case of curing the disease and was soon putting on the hazmat suit. Anyway, the next day that Jingle's smooth operator showed up for work, I had a brief but to-the-point discussion with him regarding his recent performances and explained that due to customer complaints regarding Jingle's courting technique, uh, not to mention the smell of bargain wine coming from Jingle's tree, we were going to have to make a change. And that meant letting Jingle go. That also meant that I became a fruit bat for the first time. It didn't help that Jingle started to cry either, and he started to beg. Pleas of desperation for a job that paid slightly more than minimum wage in 1978 were not the kind of thing I was prepared for, even though I, I'd seen deliverance and taxi driver. It was tough, but I was tougher. Fruit bat tough and showed Jingle the door. It bothered me for a while. I, I mean, I really felt bad about having to be the bad guy behind blue eyes. Oh, thank you, Roger Daltrey. I felt even more better when I realized that now I was going to have to find a suitable replacement to cover the Danbear's activities during the ornery operator's now empty shift. I was going to have to find someone who was clever, coordinated, articulate. Well, you remember, right? So I did what I had to do. I climbed into the tree. Getting back to the point of being unemployed or an unemployer, it's real easy to find yourself in the upside-down position of a fruit bat and have to be a bearer of bad news. Yeah, yeah, I know, bearer. I'm sure that Jingle went right home that night and cursed me up and down, called me every name in the book, thought about uh, peeing on my car and other stuff for what I had had to do. And it didn't matter that Jingle really did screw up, had it coming, and probably knew it. 
no matter how gently I tried to position the decision or how delicately he was treated, as far as Jingle was concerned, I was a fruit bat. Oh, by the way, please note that no fruit bats were injured during the writing of this story. So all of this is merely a means of illustrating that no matter how nice a guy or gal we may be or how hard we try not to be one, we can sometimes find ourselves in the position of being considered an a hole to someone. On the other hand, and this is getting back to the chronicles of being in the great no got a job of frat, brother or sisterhood, that doesn't mean that many of us have, have very likely run into some truly international and intentional um, but who take certain perverted pride at the chance to boost their amazingly bogus ego by doing the same thing to all of us jingles out here. We can only hope that someday they have to crawl in the tree too. Fruit bats. So that was the story from Smiling in Hell Classic. A little dated. Nowadays, I'd probably include COVID instead of Ebola, Biden instead of uh, Osama bin Laden, and, and allow that jingle could have been a him or a her or a they or an it. My gosh, how, how times have changed. But anyway, thanks for allowing me to share my little reverie and watch for the next chapter of Smiling in Hell, Life After Retirement, and then some. For now, this is your host, Larry Peterson from Smiling in Hell, Life After Retirement, and then some, saying bye-bye and have a pleasant day.